This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get started. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. We've got our panel assembled and we're good to go. There's a whole lot on the docket this afternoon. Anthony Fury is with us, SunPost Media columnist and national comment editor. Good afternoon, Anthony. It's cold out there, John. It's cold out there. Baby, it's cold outside. All right. Uh, Peter Tabbins, NDP MPP for Toronto Danforth and the party's energy and climate change critic. How's Peter? I'm very good, John. It's nice to be in a warm place. Well, you, you do favor climate change then. <laughs> okay. Just thought we. I know the show is starting as it so often starts. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> right. And Joe Mahevic is with us for the first time. Former city councilor, currently a lecturer at the University of Toronto Scarborough campus in urban studies. How's Mr. Mahevic? Doing great. There is life after politics, and it can be a good one. Well, all right, and uh, we're glad to have you on board. Uh, you're teaching urban studies. I guess there's a, a case in point that uh, I wanted to bring up when it comes to uh, studying things on an urban basis. Uh, the premier yesterday announcing that uh, they're going to examine 82 different municipalities across the province insofar as it could save money, uh, be more efficient, cut costs. Uh, what do you make of that first, that plan, that idea? Well, it all depends what you want out of that process. I was part of that process uh, 20 uh, odd years ago, and it was supposedly fiscally driven. And I don't think that that's a reason to do it. A, a review is always a good thing to make sure that your borders are right, that the representation is right. If they include it in the goal, where do we achieve the best democracy, then I think I would feel more comfortable about it. The Toronto amalgamation, at the end of the day, it did not save money. So you got rid of six fire chiefs, but guess what? You had to hire a chief and then four deputy chiefs to cover the four areas. Um, all the reviews that we've done at the city, that we have done at the city of Toronto, showed that amalgamation in and of itself does not uh, save money. Uh, so you may do it. You may review your governance structure, and that's of course uh, at the at the courtesy of the of the province. That's their role. Uh, but you want to have multiple goals in doing this: service delivery being one of them, uh, democratic renewal being another one. Yes, there might be some money uh, savings as well. Uh, and my fear, frankly, now is is that. <clears throat> Everything, it's about the money, and um, I don't think it's going to deliver what it pretends it will deliver. All right, let's put it to Anthony then. Uh, if it's physically driven, Joe says uh, that's not the way to go about it. That should not be the impetus. Uh, local governance, is it giving away something in local governance by doing this, kind of uh, amalgamating certain levels of government? Well, well, I'd agree with Joe that I think a review is is pretty valuable, and uh, there's a wide variety of different levels of governance, ranging from you know people want the UN to play a more active role in in our everyday lives to the First Nations band councils that only represent sometimes you know dozens of people at some of them. Uh, when I lived in Ottawa, they had a fourth level of government, the National Capital Commission, that covers both Ottawa and Gatineau on the Quebec side. It's sort of this this, this added level, and there's lots of concerns that there were sort of triplicate of laws and and lots of duplicates. So if you want to deal with duplicates. You want to get some savings along the way and making people feel like, uh, to Joe's point, they are, are connected and represented by their government. The big problem with that National Capital Commission is it was this this thing far away that nobody had uh, much say in. And I think that's a lot of the anxieties around what's happening in Brexit and, and, and all of that kind of stuff as well. So you want people to be close uh, to their government. The small town that I grew up in in Ontario amalgamated with another small town just about eight kilometers down the road uh, because, unfortunately, the towns were, were shrinking. There were fewer people 
people there. So there are times for efficiencies you need that. You see that there's no longer local police forces. That's the OPP going into them. So sometimes they're just atrophying, and that's why you might need to do that. And I could see that happening with some of these municipalities. All right, and just in a bigger context, like Kitchener-Waterloo is a good example. You've got these two communities. Uh, you know, could you not amalgamate and uh, find efficiencies in there? And I mean, to Joe's point, like he says, well, when we experienced this in 98, you found out that you weren't saving anything because you had to hire four deputy chiefs yeah. and so on. Why is that necessary to do? I mean, that same complaint came out of city council here when uh, Ford cut it for the most part in half, that yeah. suddenly we need twice as many people here, uh, bureaucrats to help us with because that doesn't reduce the amount of work that needs to be done. That's the simple reality. I, Joe, you're far more generous than I am. I think this is a fishing expedition to set things up for another round of downloads. That's what Harris was doing in the 90s. He amalgamated the cities and used that as a cover to dump all kinds of costs around transit and social housing on the cities. And I expect that's what's going on again. Harris had a, a deficit problem. We've got a deficit problem now. He's looking for a chance to offload expenses. Why not say we'll amalgamate, pretend that there are going to be savings, and then dump costs on the cities? If Kitchener and Waterloo want to amalgamate, let them have discussions amongst themselves. If they can see an opportunity there to save money, well, then let them do that. Well, he's planning that, though. I mean, that's all part of the process, right? Consultation. I, there are two parts here. If you have an actual consultation and say, look, folks, you can save some money here. We'll help facilitate if you want to save that money. You you decide. Um, but if, in fact, this is a cover, and I suspect it is a cover for a download that's going to come later, that's useless. What what the Premier did, what Ford did with Toronto, saved no money because he didn't want to acknowledge the fact that the work still had to be done. He couldn't keep up. When he was a city councillor in 2010, he couldn't keep up with the work. He said that in his book, Ford Nation. So don't be surprised if what comes out of this is just a shift of money, a shift of responsibility and expense to the municipalities. Well, all right, but if they're shifting responsibilities to the municipalities, uh, there's the other side of the equation where the municipal governments, the local, very, very local, uh, at a granular level, they get to decide how they want to develop things. And there's talk, too, of maybe seeding some of the Greenbelt land. Uh, rezoning things. Shouldn't that be up to the locals, the immediate people there, Joe? Well, yeah, on to the Greenbelt uh, conversation. Um, well, I think we as a people of Ontario have decided that that, that is a, actually sacred land. That is some of the best farmland, not in Canada, but in the world. And that area uh, around Toronto, it feeds cities. Farmers feed cities. And we've declared that land, frankly, uh, and it, it was multi-party, uh, as, a, as sacred. Uh, I think that that is going to be one of the biggest tragedies of our time if we allow incursions into it. And we know that many of the, the people who own the large chunks, the corporations that own the large chunks of land in that green belt were prime contributors to the Ford campaign. This is a play for them to develop and make a lot of money. The argument is that, that all it is, or are the people in Stouffville or Schaumburg or wherever, uh, if they want to see development in a coherent fashion, shouldn't they be the ones to determine for themselves? No, there are some provincial interests, and that's the appropriate job of the province to determine provincial interest. And no one's against Stouffville uh, developing. No one's against Toronto developing. The The thing that we are doing as the City of Toronto is we're recognizing that intensification has to happen. More people are coming and the trick is just to grow up with integrity, not grow out and just cover over some of the best farmland in the world. You're a big fan of subsidiary government, aren't you, Anthony? I mean, uh, doesn't this speak to that? Basically, where the local communities decide how they want to develop going forward. 
Uh, yeah, it would be good if the communities can have their say. I, I mean, the, the problem with keeping in those boundary walls, and, and I remember this was a big debate when I was living in the city of Ottawa, uh, because the municipality was doing a lot to make it easy for people to tear down their buildings and, and, and create triplexes and multiplexes and making uh, basement dwelling units and so forth, because they wanted to really keep those boundaries and keep the city dense. But land was a lot cheaper there. And, and the challenge in the city of Toronto is to do that sort of stuff. First of all, you have a lot of, uh, you, you have a lot of rules around whether or not you can sort of tear down your property and how tall you can grow them and so forth. So we're dealing with that. I mean, nobody likes, you know, people say they're not NIMBYs, but anytime you get a teardown in your neighborhood, you don't want it. You want things to stay the same. Good luck getting any new land where you can even have a, a smaller development. So eventually we're, we're going to have to spread out a little bit. I mean, the, the, the great thing about Canada is we have no shortage of land. Just quickly, though, uh, I wanted you to uh, weigh in on what Peter Tabins had said, that this is all just a ruse uh, to download and dump things onto municipalities. This is how uh, the game, a cynical game that Doug Ford's playing. <laughs> well, I, you, you know, I, I do think as we... Uh the Senate editorial board had a meeting with Finance Minister Vic Fideli a few weeks ago. It was all uh, all in the record, and it was a little frustrating to see that they weren't sticking uh, to. They weren't going to make hard and fast promises about exactly when they'd balance the budget, when they do it, if they'd even do it before re-election. And, and we'll see. Maybe the premier will make some firm statements coming up ahead with the budget in April. But I I I think Peter's exaggerating things. But but I also think we do see a bit of the moving the coconut shells around. And and if that's what happens, then I'll be the first to call him out for it. All right, uh, we'll come back. I did want to pursue that uh, line of reasoning, balancing the budget, or at least meeting some obligations that he mentioned Doug Doug Ford did on the campaign trail, uh, and it's right in Tabin's wheelhouse as the energy critic with the NDP, so we'll pursue that line. And many other topics worthy of discussion with our panel, Anthony Fury, Joe Mahavik, and Peter Tabin's in a moment here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.